For it's in his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We're so glad you're here. Uh, one thing that, that I always forget, we need to put up a, a little um, graphic for you. Uh, if you uh, if you are new, especially, uh, but you can uh, go to we don't have the little cards that we hand out in person anymore. Um, but if you can go to FBC dot org, uh, you can fill out our digital connection card. We would love for you to do that. Uh, let me slow down. I get too excited. We would love for you to do that, especially if this is your first time here. Uh, we know that that uh, coming to a new place uh, sometimes can be a little bit scary. Uh, and so we, we just we want to be able to we want you to feel welcome. We want to be able to get in touch with you and let you know how glad we are uh, that you were here this morning. So our digital connect card, FBCClockcroft.org, it's right on our, our uh, front homepage as you go to that. would love for you to fill that out. Um, well, I, I tell you, I've been praying a whole lot about the message today. Not that I don't normally pray for the message as we come up, but this is something that we don't usually talk a, about a whole lot, especially in a Baptist church. And in fact, I was trying to 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 think um, if I've ever preached on this quite this way, and I don't think I have. So um, now that you are intrigued, um, right? Uh, you you, you uh, hopefully you took care of business beforehand. You don't want to uh, walk out in the middle of this, um, or or you'll have to go back and watch the replay, right? Does that sound right uh, on YouTube? Anyways, whatever that is. So now that you're wondering what we're talking about, the title of the message is war. Um, we don't think about that a whole lot, that we are in a spiritual war. Uh, Luke chapter four is where we are. We're going through the series in Luke. Um, and uh, um, maybe by the time some of the little preschoolers who just went out, uh, graduate from high school, we'll be finished with this series. Um, <laughs> But but I don't want to rush through. There's so much uh, in, in the gospel of Jesus, according to Luke, that 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 we just need to take time and, and the flesh out and make sure that we understand. So let me read for you. This is chapter four, um, just a few verses, 31 through 37. Um, and as I go, you'll probably get an idea of where I'm heading with all this. It says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. That's a key word in this passage. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. I, I love words. I love the Bible, and it's always fun. I, I'm not sure why Luke chose to put the word unclean demon like there's any other kind. Um, just want, want you to know this was an unclean demon. And so this man was in the synagogue and he had a demon and the demon cried out with a loud voice. Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him. So when the demon threw the man in their midst, the demon came out of the man having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him, that is Jesus, went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now, now picture this. Jesus has just really begun his ministry. He's already uh, got this reputation as this amazing rabbi who teaches like no other. He teaches with authority, and that's reiterated in the beginning of this passage. But while Jesus is 
God forbid this would ever happen here. But while Jesus is preaching, there is a man with a demon who's in the midst and the demon cries out. <laughs> what if that happened in a Baptist church? <laughs> what? You know, I'd be looking for my two big guys. <laughs> Get a little nod. Jesus addressed the demon. Uh, th- this is a-, a weird thing. The demon said, uh, I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus rebuked him, basically told him to be quiet. And, and, and this is called, uh, in some circles, the messianic secret, you know, that, that you know, th- this kind of deal where Jesus tells the demons to be quiet, don't reveal who he is. And, and, and that's kind of a weird deal. You know, you, you think Jesus would want people to know who he was. But uh, on the other hand, not sure I want a demon testifying to my authority, you know. And so Jesus, Jesus rebuked him, told him to be quiet, and cast him out. And the people were amazed in this. Let me give you the big idea, and then we'll kind of dig into this. A little bit quiet here. This is, this is a weird topic we don't talk about a whole lot, especially in Baptist circles. So, so the big idea is this. If you're not in the battle then you might be a prisoner of war. You ever thought about that? If you're not in the battle, then you might be a prisoner of war. And, and I just have three things. Don't get too excited. Um, my three things usually have three things. So there might be nine things or 12. Three things really that I, that I want us to understand about this passage as we go through. And, and this is a different kind of teaching that you would normally hear in the Baptist church. And I'm Baptist. I've always been, always, since I, I met the Lord 15, I've never been anything other than Southern Baptist. So don't, don't like kick me out or anything. Um, I just read scripture and just have to tell you what it says. That's just the way it works with me. Um, some pastors get in, in trouble for plagiarizing. I figure if you plagiarize from the Bible, you're good. So that, that's what I do. I steal everything from the Bible. Let me give you the, the first thing. The first thing is this, that we need to understand this. And I, I believe especially in this day and age that we are in a spiritual war. We forget that. Maybe we never understood that. Maybe no one ever taught us that. Maybe, maybe the, the, the church background that you have, nobody ever really explained that. We kind of forget the United States of America is unique in the fact that we're kind of real spiritual in some ways and not so much in others. And in this spiritual warfare realm, we are not very sensitive. You go to other places in the world, and this is key. This is big, big. Go to Africa, any of the countries in Africa. This is huge. Most third world countries, for some reason, this is they understand this. They see this. We don't get this so much in the United States of America, but we are in a spiritual war. And, and that's why I, I, I say if you're not in the battle, then you might be a prisoner of war when you're at war. And, and it seems like a time of peace. There's something wrong. If you're at war and you're not in battle. Maybe you've been taken prisoner. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 say this. 
and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, we were all there, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we walked in those. And here's, here's the way it is for those who aren't believers, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I, I don't know if this ever happens to you. Sometimes, uh, you know, I talk to people, and they feel like the Bible is so old and it's, it's just not relevant to us today. And, and even in some pastor circles, you know, there, there's, we'll kind of slip into this speak. We just need to make the Bible relevant to today. No, <laughs> it's relevant. We, we just need to, to be able to present it in a way that people understand. It, it's as if Paul were writing that today. And then he writes in Ephesians chapter 6, probably a passage most of us are pretty familiar with, verses 10 through 12. Paul writes, finally, he's getting to the end of Ephesians now, and he's, you get a lot of these finally statements. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. What, what Paul is saying, he's reminding us we're in a spiritual war. Don't forget that. And, and, and I've said it before, and, and Angelo reiterated it last week or, or the week before, I think, if your enemy has a face, you've got the wrong enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If only it were that easy. <laughs> and, and yet, Satan is really good at pointing us to a face and saying, there's your enemy. Now, that person may be used by the enemy, but they're not the enemy. Flesh and blood, that's not the realm of this war that we deal in. This is a spiritual war. And, and, and Paul makes sure that we understand that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're all still there, right? Anybody wake up and groan as you got out of bed this morning? Those first few steps... Uh, some of you no, younger ones are nodding your head. The best is yet to come. I'm just saying. Those first few steps hurt. We walk in the flesh and we deal with the stuff that's in the flesh. But listen, we're not waging war according to the flesh, Paul says. This is a world we live in. You know, if you don't work, you don't eat. That world. Uh, if you don't study, you don't pass the test for you students. That world. <laughs> um, we live in this world, but we don't wage war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, this war, the spiritual war that we're in, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete, Paul says. Don't forget, we're in a war, and it's not a war against people. It's a spiritual war. And that's starting to sound kind of weird, isn't it? Some of you, Pastor Larry, you've seen too many Hollywood movies. Oh, no. Maybe I, I probably have. But this is straight from the Bible. 1 Peter 5, 8. This is Peter, the one that Jesus said. Remember, Peter, Jesus is telling them that he's going to be crucified and Peter says, no, Lord, you know, basically over my dead body. And, and, and Jesus, with love and compassion, but, but, but I can 
almost imagine Jesus like, Peter, you don't have a clue. You see, Satan has asked permission to thresh you like wheat, to trip you to shreds. But I prayed for you and you're going to be okay. That Peter, that one who denied Jesus three times after swearing that he would give his life for Jesus. He says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. That means clear-headed. You know, we always think of sober as opposed to drunk. And, and he mentions drunk in a couple of other places in the same kind of aspect. What he means is be clear-headed. Don't let this be fuzzy in your mind. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be on the lookout, he's saying, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We've been here uh, this November will be 17 years. Um, I was really young when I started. I think I was like five or six. (laughs) No, I do remember walking with my oldest daughter. The youngest one was only two, but my oldest daughter and I are walking. uh, It's in the spring. Uh, of 2004 and and uh, we're walking on osha trail over on the backside there's still snow and it's really cool you know because i'm a city boy i grew up in dallas fort worth and you know my, my kids were, were born there and so we're walking along and i'm like oh look, there's a dog print well we, we see those even in dallas fort worth look look there's a raccoon print you know you're walking along and you're going look there's a cat that's a big cat footprint <laughs> yeah And it was at that moment I realized we live in a forest (laughs) where the deer and the antelope play and the mountain lion roam around seeking whom they can devour. And and I understand that one of the scariest things about the mountain lions is you usually don't see them coming. When, When you hear it, it's usually too late. That's the idea that Paul is trying to get across to us. Listen. Your enemy, the devil, Satan, roars, he, 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 let me say it like he says it, prowls around like a roaring lion. When you hear the roar, it, it's too late to run, seeking whom he can devour. We can't, we can't forget that we're in a spiritual war, that, that as, as we go through this life, even though we deal with stuff in the flesh, we walk in the flesh, uh, is what he says in the beginning, That we're in a spiritual war. And when we forget, we're doomed. That was the first thing. Let me tell you the second thing, and it only gets weirder after this. So if you're already getting a little bit weirded out, it's going to get worse. Are you ready? The second thing is this, that demons are real and they are active in our world. I, I wished I could say otherwise. Now, we live in America, and you may be thinking, well, how come I've never seen a demon? How come I've never run across anyone that was demon-possessed? You probably have, you just didn't know it. I I know, you're getting real creepy. There's some that are watching the home, and they went and flipped the light switch right when I got to that point, right? I'm not saying this to scare you, that the next point that we get to really should set your mind at ease, and I love... God's just been, Angela, thank you for being so sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the songs. I couldn't pick the songs any better, some of those. Um, There is no reason to think 
that demons suddenly vanished after the writing of the New Testament. Right? I mean, there are so many admonishments that we have in Scripture about this spiritual warfare to stand firm. We watch Jesus. We're going to see this as Jesus goes. He's just starting in his ministry that, that he is continually casting out demons. And it doesn't stop with Jesus. After the resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes empowers the disciples and they cast out demons over and over and over again. we get to the end i don't know if you've ever read the end of the book if you get a little bit worried go all the way to the end because if you stop halfway through revelation you're you're going to be worried go all the way to the end and and we see that satan and his demons are active to the very end of them <laughs> I think we make a huge mistake when somehow we think, oh, that that only happened in Bible times. That demons were only around in Bible times. Well, what makes you think that they would suddenly vanish? They haven't. If you've traveled to other countries, you're a lot more aware of this than we are here. We just we just kind of gloss over. What a what a great scheme of the enemy to get us to, to think he doesn't even exist. I, I remember I was in college and I went back home to visit my sister and, and um, we've talked about this several times since, but we're having coffee in the mornings because that's what, <laughs> I, I came by it honest, that, that's my family. We're having coffee in the mornings and, and she had this big patio door and we're, we're looking out and, and I see this cat and, and it's really weird. This cat is acting weird. He, he's walking along. There's nothing around. There, there are no trees. It's totally open, you know, field. And he is, it, it, at first I thought he was stalking something. Then I realized he was worried about something. And he's going along. And I asked my sister, I said, what's wrong with that cat? And she said, watch. You guys know what martins are, those birds? There was a martin house on this really tall stick over there. And that dude came down and popped that cat on the head. That cat flips over, lands on his feet, and has no idea where that came from. I, I, I could have been a nice guy and gone out and kind of broke that up, but it was way too much fun to watch. This guy is trying to sneak across an open field, getting whacked on the head every few minutes, and he never saw it coming, ever. I don't think he ever figured that out. I bet you, I bet you those birds didn't have to be around and that cat's going to try to sneak across that open field every time. As I was thinking about this, I, I think that is us sometimes in life. We don't, re, we don't even see it coming. And, and we get blindsided time after time after time because we think somehow... The, the, you know, the spiritual stuff, yeah, you know, I know, I know, the Bible says it, but yeah, that's not for me. That's not me. You guys ready for the good news now? <laughs> um, come back next week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we do want you to come back next week, but I won't leave you hanging. The, the, the third thing is this, that Jesus has given us authority over demons. <laughs> I, 
I'm not real anxious to use that authority. I don't know about you. That's not something I, I look forward to. Um, uh, have a young guy that, that uh, grew up in our church is now a missionary with Youth with a Mission. And he's that way, yeah. Man, he, he's looking for demons to take on. I'm like, you know, if, 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 if it comes, uh, you know, but I'm not going to go looking for him. Jesus has given us authority over demons. When's the last time you heard a Baptist pastor say that? It's true. You don't need to worry. Let, let me read this for you. This is 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. What is he saying? Um, by the way, let me just throw this in. This is for free. Don't be goofing around with Ouija boards and seances and all those kinds of things. It's not dead Uncle Bob you're talking to, okay? It's a spirit pretending to be dead Uncle Bob, and angels don't pretend to be your dead relatives. It would be a demon, all right? So don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. What he's saying is, don't like jump into this whole spiritual thing. Be careful when you're dealing with that. By this you know that the Spirit of God, by this you know the Spirit of God. Here's how you know it's God's Spirit. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. In other words, that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, was buried, and after three days resurrected. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, is now in the world already. Now, now hang on. Now, I'm going to blow some of your theology, maybe. We're, we're waiting for the Antichrist, right? If you've read Revelation. John said, the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. He, he's already here. And then he says this, little children, don't we feel like little children after talk like that? <laughs> little children, and he reminds us, you are from God and have overcome them, that is Satan and his dominions. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you have quoted that verse of scripture? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How many of you knew when you were quoting that scripture, you're talking about demons? <laughs> the spirit of God who is in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world, which is Satan and his demons. Listen, I, I, if you haven't read Revelation, we, we kind of put that off. That, that's a hard book to read. There's a lot of symbolism and, and imagery in there, and it's, it's really hard to decipher. You, you, you don't. Believe me, um, get five different commentaries and read it with the commentaries and they disagree <laughs> all the way through. But the, when you get down toward the end, like around chapter 17, here's something you need to know, okay? The battle of Armageddon goes something like this. All of the nations of the world gather against Christ and his host. Are you ready? This is the epic battle of Armageddon. The next verse, this is one verse, the very next verse, Jesus has defeated the Antichrist and the beast and all the rest of it's mop up. It's over like that. 
There is no epic battle between Jesus and Satan. There's not a struggle between Jesus and Satan. Jesus has won. Do you realize that? He's won. You watch these Hollywood movies and oh boy, it just it might tip in the balance, you know. It, you all, you, well, if one thing goes wrong, oh no, Satan wins. That that's a lie from Satan. He has already lost. <laughs> Satan can do nothing unless God allows it. Do you realize that? He's the prince of the power of, of the air. He's the prince of this world. Guess who the king of kings is? It's Jesus, right? So, so Jesus has given us authority over demons. You, you watch. Go, go through it and read. We're going to read through Luke, but you read through the Gospels. Jesus says it, and the demons have to do whatever he says. There is no struggle, nothing at all. Now, now there is one point where the disciples had gone out, and, and, and man, they're trying to cast out this demon, and it won't come out. And Jesus walks up and says a word, and he comes out, and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> we tried to do that, and it didn't work. And, and I'm going to simplify this a whole lot. Jesus said something like, well, did you pray? <laughs> he said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. But he's given us authority. Listen, it is not you and it is not me that the demons fear. It is the one who dwells within us that he fears. I, I, I get this picture. I used to do this a lot. I was a stinker as a kid. And that's putting it, putting it really nicely. We'd be in a line and I'd do this in school and there'd be a big guy in front of me. Or which means everybody but me, by the way. I just want to say, I knew you were thinking it. Um, and I would tap on his shoulder and I'd say, hey, you want to fight? And they'd be like, yeah. So I'd turn around to the guy behind me and say, hey, he wants to fight. <laughs> if I stood up to, to most guys and say, bring it on, they probably would unless I had Angelo standing behind me. You want to fight? Yeah, hey, Angela, this dude wants to fight. <laughs> I don't, don't know what his deal is. but when, when we stand against the enemy, it is not we that he fears. It is Jesus that he fears because Jesus defeated him on the cross. And he's given us that authority. And again, it's not because of us. Don't ever think that... that Mano a mano, you can take on a demon. He does, he's not afraid of you. He's afraid of Jesus in you. He's afraid of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, who dwells within you. This was in, in, uh, in, in one of the songs that we sang, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of Yahweh and their vindication from me, declares Yahweh. You see, God is the one in charge. And he's given us the authority over Satan and his demons. Luke chapter 10. Uh, th this, one's, this one's a good one. How many of you remember Carmen, the, the singer? 
Yeah, you were around in the 80s. That's all I got to say if you remember that. This is in one of his songs, but it's really cool. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. The 72, Jesus sent 72 disciples out two by two, and they healed the sick, they, they cast out demons, they performed miracles in Jesus' name, they shared the gospel, people came to faith in Christ, and they came back. And it says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is great. <laughs> this is amazing. We say, get out of there, and they have to leave. In Jesus' name, leave him, and they go. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you, Jesus says, let me tell you why this is so. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Then he gives us a caution. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the demons are subject to you. Hey guys, I've given you authority over demons, but that, that's not like a toy you go play around with. That, that's, not, that's not the end. That's a tool. But you rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You guys are all excited because you can cast out demons. Guys, what you need to be excited about is that you've been saved from your sin. Is that you're no longer a, a slave to sin. That you've been set free. Let me give you quickly two overreactions to, to this whole talk about the spiritual war. One is this. That you ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. You kind of go on with life. Yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. That was a, it's a weird message. Pastor Larry preached. Uh, I'm just going to go on about my business. The other is to overemphasize it and spiritualize everything. Some of you have heard me say it like this. I'm not one of these demon under every rock kind of guys. I, I, I don't look for a demon under everything. If I'm driving down the hill and I have a flat tire, it's probably because I should have gotten my tires rotated 50,000 miles ago. <laughs> the attack... I don't see as the tire, the attack that I see from the enemy is what happens in my heart after that. Do I get angry? Do I get frustrated? Do I blame? <laughs> well, what happens after that? The, the, I, I don't go around saying I, I would never, you know, Satan blew up my car. I mean, I don't know. You probably could do that. I don't think Satan messes with me anyways. Um, but, but his little minions would. What I would say, the attack comes after that, those those little fiery darts that he shoots. Larry, you may as well just give up. Nothing's ever going to go right for you. No, nobody's listening. Look, who are you to stand up and pretend to proclaim the word of God? You're not worthy. Those are, those are the attacks that the enemy gives. Discouragement, doubt, fear. Discouragement leads to depression, bitterness, resentment. Those are the attacks of the enemy. So let's don't ignore it and, and just pretend like it doesn't exist and go along our way. But, but neither should we overemphasize it and, and walk around, you know, those ravens that tear open the trash bags in my car, tools of Satan. <laughs> don't overemphasize it and spiritualize everything that happens. 
let's get back to the big idea and then two more things I want to tell you. One, the big idea is this. If you're not in the battle, then you might be a prisoner of war. Satan would love to bind us with lies. Eh, the spiritual thing. Don't, don't pay attention to that. that, that that's because they were superstitious in the Bible. Satan might say something like that. You don't need to worry about that. When's the last time you saw a demon? Come on now. That's in Hollywood. Those things don't exist. Yeah. If you're not in the battle, then you might be a prisoner of war. He may have your eye where he wants you. Ephesians chapter 6. The rest of that passage that you know. Paul says, therefore, because you're in a spiritual battle, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You don't have to run in fear. Stand, therefore. Do you kind of get what he's saying? (laughs) Stand, therefore. Prepare for this war. Be ready to go into battle. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, taking the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication that's what he's saying take on the whole armor of god prepare yourselves and enter into the battle because we are in a spiritual war and you're thinking man i barely got the fruit of the spirit kind of understood and now you're telling me i need a helmet and i need a sword and i need a shield and i need a belt and i need a breastplate can i just make it easy for you can i do that it's not me it's the apostle paul with the inspiration of the holy spirit clothe yourselves in christ just clothe yourselves in christ when when i come against the enemy i don't want him to see me i want him to see jesus i I want him to to look and run not because of me but because i've clothed myself in christ and jesus is so prevalent in me the holy spirit is working in me in such a way that that is who he fears because he doesn't fear me romans 12 i'm sorry romans 13 11 through 14 paul writes this because you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep i really feel that this needs to happen in the united states of america believers we need to wake up from the deception from from the lies from getting letting satan turn us against one another it's this the weirdest thing i've ever seen it's like a civil war over masks isn't that crazy it's a civil war over a disease that's nuts we need to wake up let god dispel all of the the fog so that we can be sober-minded, see things like they are. The hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That was true 2,000 years ago, and it's even more true. It's 2,000 years more true today. Jesus' return is 2,000 years closer than it was when he left. 
I almost expected a come Lord Jesus today. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Except that there are still people who need to hear. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. That is when we can see things clearly. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy. But rather than all of that. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Guys, here's, I don't know if it's an invitation or a challenge. Maybe it's an invitation to a challenge. I don't know. I think, I think we need to pray something like this. God, would you open my eyes to the spiritual world? Lord, would you help me to see in the Spirit? Would you help me to see things like they are? Don't let me be like that cat who has no idea where the attack's coming from. (laughs) I guarantee you, if there had been a cat standing next to him, he would have gone after that cat. I would have. Something popped me on the head and there's only one other thing around. God, help me to see things like they are. Help me to see with spiritual eyes. Help me to see in the spiritual realm that you've put us in, that we war in, that we battle in, and don't let me be deceived. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest a couple of books for you to read. These are novels, these are fiction, but it really helps you get an idea of the realm that we live in. Uh, they were written a while ago, probably back in the 80s. Frank Peretti wrote two books called This Present Darkness, and piercing the darkness. Don't read them late at night by yourself. That's what I did. Um, but they really help you to see that we are in a spiritual war. All around us. I, I, I love, I, I think it was Elisha. I always get him and Elijah, their names mixed up. Elisha and his servant. And they are surrounded by the enemy. All the way around. That's all they can see. And the servant is over trembling in his boots. And Elisha's just super chill. You know. And, and Elisha prays what, what I pray for us. Lord, would you open his eyes and let him see. And all of a sudden, the servant looked up. And yes, there's a massive enemy army around. But there's ten times the heavenly host around them. whom shall i fear step up prepare for the battle and engage let's pray father what a weird message it seems because we do deal in the flesh we're still body flesh and bone God, would you help us to see with spiritual eyes? Would you help us to understand there is a spiritual war raging around us? And God, we are called to be in it. And if we are not in the battle, then maybe it's because we've been taken captive. Lord, would you set us free? Open our eyes. Let us see. Don't let us get crazy where we try to spiritualize everything that happens. But God, would you help us to see rightly? Would you give us eyes to see, Lord, the way the things that they really are? Would you... 
Would you prepare us for the battle that lies ahead? God, I, you know my heart, but I confess this openly. I'm always leery to preach a message like this. Because I know the attacks are going to come in the following week. Father, would you, would you help us? Help us to see with spiritual eyes. Would you help us to clothe ourselves with Christ? God, if there's anybody here, anyone who's listening in the overflow or watching um, on, online who, who doesn't believe, who's not a believer, Lord, would you just draw them to you, Holy Spirit? Would you convict them, help them to see their need for Christ because of their sin and see the provision that you've made through Jesus on the cross so that today they would enter into a life-changing relationship with Jesus that would be saved? And Father, for those of us who've already done that, would you help us to wake up, to enter into the spiritual war that we're in? God, the stake in this war isn't land or power, but it's souls. So Father, would you help us storm the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ? For it's in his name we pray. Amen.